When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Greetings, everyone. Happy Monday, September 4th, 2023. Uh, Michigan football is 1-0. We will discuss that here on the Wolverine Live. Of course, uh, really, just for now, Anthony Broom and Chris Ballas (laughs) with you. Clayton Uh, Clayton was here. Clayton was here as we started recording. To my surprise, he is not here uh, right now. But uh, having a power issue at home, we'll see uh, if slash when we can get him in on the show. Uh, We spoke to... Jim Harbaugh, Jay Harbaugh, Mike Hart, and a couple of Michigan players today. We will discuss that. Uh, each of us going around the room. And there he is, Clayton Safety, right. back with us. How's everything going over there? We're, we're working through some things. A little dark. Uh, a little dark. Power, outage, a power outage here in Ann Arbor on 88 and sunny. So, yeah. Weird. Have to love it. Um, we're back so up, though. Small being here. It is uh, sweltering here in the great state of Michigan, but we'll talk about our Monday press conference takeaways. Uh, we will also kind of go around the room and share uh, maybe our, fi- uh, not quite our final thoughts, but uh, extra thoughts coming out of this weekend's opener against East Carolina. And of course, as we do every Monday night, take your questions. But before we get into the show, I would like to talk about our friends over at Caldera. Uh, gentlemen, listen, uh, you're going to brush your teeth today. Why is that? Cause it's a healthy part of your day and you don't want bad teeth. I want you to take it to another step and add in a skincare routine to your daily habit. I just did, and I promise you, I mean, again, never going back at this point. I'm glowing. Look at me. I'm glowing after the start of the Michigan football season. So I told you guys last week uh, that first impressions matter. Your teeth and your skin are among the first things that someone notices about you. Uh, Caldera Lab is the regimen you've been looking for for your skin t- uh, care routine. Habit stacking, habit hacking, whatever you call it. Caldera Lab is here to take care of your daily routine for skin royalty. Uh, take my word for it as one of the thousands of men uh, giving them a five-star review. So the clean slate starts and ends your day. This face wash leaves all skin types refreshed. The base layer is your daily moisturizer to hydrate your skin and jumpstart your day. Full of confidence, the good is your go-to multifunctional serum at night that helps your skin look tighter and smoother, as well as helps reduce the vis- visibility of wrinkles and fine lines. Every drop of the serum is packed with 3.4 million antioxidant units protecting your skin. No other, no other brand does this. Better yet, Caldera Lab is the only brand that cares enough about it to know how to do it, quite frankly. So just for our audience, we have an exclusive offer. This is their best offer available anywhere right now. Use promo code MICH23, M-I-C-H-23, at calderalab.com for 20% off right now. Get 20% off with promo code MICH23 at calderalab.com. And make unforgettable first impressions. Uh, Michigan did that over the weekend. We'll talk about that here in a second. Uh, but, yeah, you want people to uh, notice you looking younger, looking brighter, looking vibrant. Caldera Lab has a product for you to do that. So 20% off at calderalab.com with promo code MISH23. Fellas, uh, the first time all three of us have been on the air together uh, since Saturday's 30-3 to season opening win over East Carolina. The way I described it Saturday was workmanlike, businesslike. Um, again, you see guys, uh, teams across the country putting up 70 points, 80 points, playing, you know, you know, virtually playing high school teams this weekend. Michigan gave itself a baseline to be at and to put stuff on film and get better from there. But uh, I guess I just want to kind of go around the room and any final thoughts or things you think need to improve heading into this next week. Yeah, I'm going to be putting up the film review here. Offense tonight, defense tomorrow morning. I'm about halfway through the first half, and I will say I'm pleasantly surprised with some of the stuff I saw that I wasn't expecting to see in terms of pass rush, in terms of pass blocking, run blocking. Okay, that is a 
that is a really difficult system to run against. Okay. ECU sold out to stop the run. We're talking, you know, I talked to Mike Hart and I asked him today. We all did. I asked him today about putting nine guys in the box. And he said, yeah, they were playing zero coverage the whole game. And he was absolutely right. Those first three plays down at the goal line, which shouldn't have been, by the way, that ball on the punt was hit by a, an ECU gunner. So they should have started their first drive at about the 33. Instead, they got backed up. But um, really, I thought the pass blocking was really good. The, the pass rush was fantastic. The fact is that, uh, that Mason Garcia was getting that ball out extremely quickly. But that whoever, it didn't matter who they put in there. Braden McGregor had some pressures. Derek Moore, TJ Guy was in there in the first quarter, and he had a pressure. And the interior linemen were getting back there and making Garcia move a little bit. Uh, the fact is, is that he was getting rid of the ball with, with under, under two seconds, fellas. So, um, and there were times that they had six guys in there blocking as well. So impressed with that. Uh, more impressed with the offensive line than I thought I'd be. All this, oh, my God, you know, they're terrible. There were a couple plays, one in which uh, a tight end missed a block that would have been a nice gainer for Blake Corum. Uh, there were a couple of other plays where – Maybe the backs cut the wrong way or weren't patient enough, but those are things that are going to work out, be worked out from week one to week two. So overall, uh, a good effort. I think ECU is a very, very well-coached football team. Uh, they're better than the MAC programs that some teams were playing, some of the, uh, some of the other Big Ten teams were playing, for example. So I think Michigan's going to be just fine. It'll be interesting to see who comes out in that offensive line next week and which five eventually get the nod. You can say Colson Loveland's name on the on the block there. Um, <laughs> All right. Yeah, Blake maybe could have been a little bit more patient too. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, you come out of this game winning pretty comfortably, and it could have been worse. I mean, Donovan should have got in. Um, I thought that was a little odd that he wasn't able to, and then his jump on, on third down was a little weird. Um, but you cover the spread if that happens. You get a sad field goal at the end, you know, to, to put the only points up. So the fact that, you know, we're kind of nitpicking the pass rush and stuff like that and basically a shutout effort, uh, you know, just shows you where the standard is, where the bar is for this team. And it should be. Uh, I was looking at the PFF numbers today and, uh, yeah, they were getting the ball out in two and a half seconds. I think 2.55 for Mason Garcia and 2.46 for Alex Flynn or vice versa. So uh, and that was some of the you know quickest numbers in the country in week one according to PFF. So, I mean, the numbers, the, the excitement wasn't necessarily there with some of these big defensive plays and, you know, big hits in the backfield. I mean, they did get a couple licks on those guys. Kenneth Grant, I thought was really good. TJ Guy, too, stood out to me as well when you go back and watch the game again. Um, but offensively, you know, it's not this either or, like, can they run, can they pass? I mean, I think they showed yesterday or on Saturday that, uh, you know, the pass game can get going. You know, that was nearly flawless, I would say. At the same time, that's a pretty poor East Carolina secondary that you know was playing one-on-one coverage. So we'll see how that looks against some of the better teams. And I think they checked the box. Blake Corum, pretty good first outing for him. You know, gets 13 touches and you know he still averaged 7.3 yards per carry. Two of his carries were you know inside his own two, and then uh, the other you know one of the ones that hurt his average also was his two-yard touchdown run. So good there. Um, and J.J. looked fantastic. So I think they, they checked that box and on to week two with uh, two head coaches. I think a thought I had during the game, certainly when you look at the way that East Carolina played it, is that uh, ECU watched the TCU film from last year in terms of loading up the box, uh, you know, making things a little difficult, really uh, quite difficult for the Michigan run game. And when you have a bunch of new guys up front that are still, you know, need that chemistry and need those reps, Drake Nugent, Miles Hinton, you know, we talked about this, in our post game on Saturday is that, you know, these guys, a lot of what they're, they didn't have the benefit of spring football. I know those guys were working their way back from injuries. A guy like Ladarius Henderson wasn't even you know with the team yet. So chemistry is so important. Obviously things need, uh, need to get better there. You know, as far as, you know, Michigan's offense is kind of in a damned, if you do damned, if you don't spot with it, at least the fan base. And I loved what they did on Saturday. Uh, they saw an opponent that, uh, strive to take the run away and and did so pretty well in terms of what we expected Michigan to do. Uh, Michigan was able to go the opposite direction in, uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh said uh, the most prolific passing performance in Michigan history for a guy that's ever, you know, thrown 30 or more passes in JJ McCarthy. So uh, did what he was supposed to do. Again, they took advantage of what they should have taken advantage of. This is a porous a back end of an uh, East Carolina secondary um, they had matchups everywhere. I love that 
you know, when we talked to Jim Harbaugh back in June, he had talked about, you know, wanting to watch the film on Sunday or Monday, whatever it was, and saying, okay, Roman Wilson had six to eight targets. Cornelius Johnson had six to eight targets. Colston Loveland had, you know, five or six targets. The backs uh, split. You know, everyone eats, as he said, and everyone kind of ate for the most part. And, you know, again, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this offense continues to develop. I think that – I don't think when push comes to shove – you know what the story of this football team will be is that they're a pass first team, but they're going to need to keep throwing the ball um, to either set up the run, take pressure off the run, whatever it is. And some people will say, Oh gosh, why isn't this team running the football better? And then if they run the ball for 400 yards and throw 15 times, people will bitch that they didn't throw the ball enough. And that's just the way that college football fandom is. But in terms of Saturday's game, not a whole lot to really, again, nothing I saw registered as a concern, quite yet now if things start to become a trend then that's where we have a different conversation uh but you know with the new clock rules i think that limited possessions obviously starting your opening drive on your own two yard line you just throw the game script out from there altogether, and you start a player you know a drive or so later uh the fumble on the goal line so like there were missed opportunities left on the field uh when you go back and watch the film of that game though it, it I, I hesitate you know they won by 27 like it's a blowout but it, it should have probably been worse than that yeah, and they should have been a, another touchdown there at the end. I don't think Donovan Edwards is the guy in against Ohio State that you're keeping in there at the goal line to run those the ball. And he's not your your best goal line back, uh, number one. And you know the fourth down play I didn't like. I don't like shotgun, frankly, when you're down there that close. Uh, I'd rather have a fullback behind him, hand off, and then get some push behind the guy. You know, uh, if you want to go that route. So, but other than that, um, yeah, it, Edwards should have gotten in anyway, and that really wasn't the it really wasn't the story of this game, fellas. This one, one red zone possession. Uh, they were pretty good in the red zone in other in other areas. They were there four, five times. I think they scored four times. Is that correct? Um, something like that. So sounds right. Five or six, maybe. But um, four touchdowns and a field goal. So regardless, uh, I was pleased and again pleasantly surprised with what I saw from the pass rush, what I saw from pass blocking. Again, through a quarter and a half, um, I still have to finish that up, but. Uh, no concerns here. And, and on top of that, you didn't have your head coach down there on the sidelines. You also did not have your offensive line coach to maybe help some guys out and say, hey, you know, we needed to do this. We needed to do that. And uh, he's one of the best in the business for for a reason, Sharon Moore. So uh, they're going to be fine. I think you're going to see a, a really good performance this weekend. I loved what I saw from the receivers catching the ball. Cornelius Johnson had a great catch in the first quarter on a high pass. And uh, the catch radiuses and the – uh, the contested catches, which is one thing that some of our practice observers said they really wanted to see. And we saw it with Colson Loveland. We saw it with Cornelius Johnson. We saw it with Roman Wilson with the one exception of the, the ball that got knocked out of his hands. So very encouraged. Want to see a little bit better blocking on the perimeter, fellas. Um, a couple of times there, the ECU defensive backs got a little too much penetration on those flat passes, but I think that'll be cleaned up. Oh, and the yeah. kicking game. A little, little bit concerned there about James Turner. We'll see. Yeah, he kicks it low, and then he perfectly struck the 50-yarder after kicking the one low before the timeout was called, or after the timeout was called. You know, he kind of knew it wasn't going to count. Still made that one, I believe. Mm -hmm. But then perfectly hits the other one, but then, you know, the 52-yarder was nowhere near it. You miss miss an extra point. People are going to be holding their breath a little bit more on those this year. Maybe you don't change the channel to that other game. Maybe you don't grab the snack or the extra beer uh, quite yet. You wait till the commercial timeout, but... You know, he's missed four now uh, extra points in his career. So I guess something to watch, but maybe it's just normal kicker stuff. And Michigan just didn't have a normal kicker the last few years. They had a special one. Yeah, maybe it was just first game jitters too. And Tommy Doman, sure. I, thought, I thought Tommy Doman's first punt out of the end zone was pretty good AB for his first kick. So, um, yeah, they're going to be just fine. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Jay Harbaugh, who will coach the first half on Saturday, talked about some of the special teams' woes. In the Monday press conference, there's a write-up on that over at thewolverine.com. Now, uh, I guess just my last thought, and then we'll get into the Monday presser, is the one thing that did feel like it was missing was obviously Jim Harbaugh, the fiery brings on the sideline, maybe a little bit of a killer instinct uh, in terms of yeah, just, just that extra gear. Uh, Michigan never quite hit that extra gear on Saturday, and, and you know it'll happen. It's the first game, uh, not putting a whole lot of stock into it, but uh, Jim Harbaugh was freed, at least momentarily, on Monday after or Monday morning, I should say. Uh, for his normal Monday press conference. I got to hear some of his thoughts on the game. He watched the game at Sharon Moore's house. 
Uh, and apparently Sharon's Moore's wife made a terrific sandwich. Would love to sample that at some point, or at least a get burger some maybe on what that on a burger. Um, yeah, is a burger we'll a sandwich? It is. A hot dog is I, not, however. I agree with that. I agree. <laughs> I would think I would say so too. I'd say so too. Um, sandwich talk. It's dinner time, basically. I'm just, <laughs> you completely derailed there. Um, so Jim Harbaugh uh, came out and was able to uh, speak to the media, summed up the game. He was pretty happy with the performance uh, overall. I, we talked to Har- uh, Jay Harbaugh as well. We talked to Mike Hart. Uh, we talked to also Braden McGregor and Miles Hinton. Uh, some interesting takeaways uh, from all of those guys. But, uh, fellas, at least starting off with Harbaugh, uh, again, uh, no, there were no soliloquies on the state of the sport today, but uh, thoughts on what he had to say on Monday afternoon. I thought he was in a great mood. Yeah, I thought he was in a great mood, and uh, he'd love to see it. Um, really, uh, it, one thing that he said to me, you know, Colonel Jim Minnick, a good friend of his, he said, texted him and said, you can really tell a lot about your men, about how they perform in your absence. And I thought that was pretty telling. It looked like Michigan, right? It looked like a Jim Harbaugh coached team with Jesse Minner out there and and uh, Kirk Campbell calling plays. I was really impressed, by the way, with Campbell's adjustments going to the pass, and they went to play action and moved the ball right down the field when they were stacking against the run, took advantage of what was there. So, But um, I think he was uh, genuinely pleased. So it's not coach speak. You know, he'll say, you know, if there's something wrong, he'll say, you know, yeah, we can work on that and so on and so forth. But he was pleased with the pass protection. Uh, he called it excellent. He was pleased with the pass rush. And, and again, uh, I'm watching on film. I'm, I'm right there with him. So uh, Michael Barrett did set the tone, guys, in this game, and he talked about him a little bit. Mike missed a couple of tackles uh, later on, but he set the tone with some of his plays early on in that game and some of his hits. Really liked the linebacker play, and you could tell that he did too. He didn't even mention Ernest Hausman, who had a couple of big hits in there. So – um, I think he's really pleased about what he saw, especially from J.J. McCarthy, who, you know, everybody thought it was hyperbole when he said it was he was a generational quarterback. But J.J. McCarthy went out there and played like a generational quarterback. He looked that was one of the best performances I've seen from a Michigan quarterback in terms of where he placed the ball, uh, his poise in the pocket. Granted, and, you know, against the, that competition, it's going to get tougher. But uh, this kid just has that moxie, man, that. Um, he's got it on and off the field like something really I don't think I've ever I've ever seen here, and uh, and I think that's saying something. Yeah, with the caveat, like you said, that it's going to get tougher. Mm-hmm. I thought one of the biggest improvements that that JJ made with his, was his pocket presence. I mean, the way he was kind of sliding around back there. Again, there weren't bodies necessarily flying at him like there could be against some tougher opponents that have some better pass rushers. But um, you know, keeping his eyes downfield, that sort of thing. Uh, and then the placement was was perfect. And the, the best example of that is Roman Wilson saying he didn't even feel like he did anything special. He said, I thought I was just kind of running my routes and doing my job. And the ball was just showing up. And when you rewatch the game, it felt like that, too. I mean, two of his touchdowns were basically a scramble drill. He kind of just cuts back inside and JJ is right there with the ball. I mean, uh, maybe there's a technicality actually on that first touchdown that that it was good because the, when he started his throw, was behind um, or at the line of scrimmage uh, from what some people are saying. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, JJ was fantastic. I thought Harbaugh overall was pretty pleased with his team. I mean, there are things to nitpick and I'm sure they're going to do that. Uh, And that's, you know, something you almost want as a coach coming out of some of these games. And, you know, like Mike Barrett, he definitely set the tone with, with a couple of hits. He also missed a couple of tackles and, you know, there was kind of one play where I thought he kind of went too far inside and he was trying to maybe make that TFL gets burned. You know, the guy gets, gets outside of him. Well, now that's on film and they can show, Hey, Mike B settle down in there. You're trying to set the tone. We love it, but you got to have outside contain here. So those sorts of things are going to be cleaned up. But overall, Jim Harbaugh watched him from the couch there at Sharon Moore's, I think really liked what he saw and uh, you know, seemed to enjoy his sandwich. That's good as well. Um, and you know, overall, like they're going to build on this. It's going to be another, you know, this type of game, I think on Saturday, but they're, you know, they seem like right now pretty close to, uh, to looking very, very good. And, you know, they, they set the bar pretty high in the opener. Yeah, I think uh, the McCarthy performance in, uh, in particular is one that, you know, the further we get out from it again, I know there are obvious level of competition caveats to it. Uh, East Carolina was uh, ranked, I believe, 129 in pass defense last year. So uh, 
But that's what you're supposed to do against a bad secondary is shred them, right? And the ball barely touched the ground. Uh, he was as poised and as in command of the offense as I've ever seen him. Um, you know, the touch was good. That third touchdown in particular to Roman Wilson was just, I mean, about about as good of a throw as you could uh, deliver in there. So, again, um, you know, I think Michigan knows, that, and we'll talk about, I want to talk about the running backs here in a second, but, um, you know, the coaches know that they're going to be able to run the football. Like, there's a pretty well-established floor there. Uh, we know, I, I assume at some point the offensive line, they'll find a five-guy, you know, a five-guy uh, combination that they like. We know that those backs will shake the rust off. Uh, which you know looks to, like there was a little bit of it. We can talk about what Mike Hart had to say about Blake Corum here in a second, but um, JJ is going to determine the ceiling of this football team. And I again, there everything that they've said about him. I mean, it's not it's not hyperbole. I mean, I think he has a chance really to be the most talented quarterback that's ever put on that Michigan uniform. And uh, Jim Harbaugh and the coaching staff seem to feel that way as well. But uh, I want to move into Mike Hart. Uh, we can talk about some of the Jay Harbaugh stuff, but. You know, Mike Hart is is helming a running back room that, you know, again, those guys expect to be uh, the guys that lead this offense. Uh, and Clayton, a, a piece of yours actually just went up about uh, Hart saying that it's not good when you can only run the football. So, like, even Mike Hart realizes that there's going to have to be some healthy balance there. And I think that's, again, what they're going to con- uh, continue to strive for. Yeah, they are. And uh, people saying, oh, it looked like Blake Corum lost a step. And I'm like, and I was talking to Skeen about this and watching it. You know, when you hesitate, you look slower. And he, at times, he didn't have a choice but to hesitate. That, that hole closed up so quickly. Um, there were times when I saw that burst again. There was one time a guy got him by the foot uh, when he was just getting ready to explode. And uh, on the 21 yard run, I believe it was the 37 yarder, the guy had an angle on him. I think he's going to be just fine. Um, I, I thought Donovan Edwards was a little tentative, uh, to be honest with you, on a couple of his runs, and uh, but he'll get better as well. So this is, uh, again, you're feeling out a new offensive line, when, whereas last year, you know, it was clockwork. You knew who was going to be in there. You knew their tendencies. You knew what they were going to do, where they were going to be. Same with and having a tight end out there in Luke Schoonmaker, too, who uh, was, was outstanding as a blocker. So Colston Loveland's going to have to pick it up in that area. A.J. Barner. Got beat once or twice, I saw, on film early on in the second half. So uh, these are things that need to get worked out. But um, to say that, you know, Blake Corum isn't the same back as last year and what happened to him and so on and so forth, like like Clay said, he averaged, what, 7.3 yards per carry against the stacked box, and it could have been more. And it will be more. I think there's no question that he's going to have his share of big games. So I did think it was interesting, too, that Mike Hart was talking about having four number three backs. And he said, you know, we didn't have one in the past. He said, Clell Mullings is really good. He's shifty. He's big. Uh, Benjamin Hall. I, and he said, Cole Cabana, who didn't even see the field, I don't believe. You know, the kid can play. He's just not g- going to get the opportunity at this point. Maybe – did he get in there late in the game, Clay? No, I think he might be a little banged up because he okay. was questionable and then he didn't play. So Yeah, so there you go. So, But they've got options there. and uh, But really the one-two are, are, are what you're looking at. And – uh, and some nice pass blocking, too. Some nice blitz pickups from number two in there as well a couple of times. So, again, one game. Make your biggest improvements between week one and week two. I'm excited to see what they do against UNLV. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear to me, too. I mean, in, in, uh, Donovan had more touches than Blake in this game. And I thought, Mike, you know, it, it was cool that he that he pointed out that he didn't hear a word from Blake about that. I mean, this is a kid who carried the ball 29 times per game in Big Ten games last year when he was fully healthy. And Donovan Edwards has more carries than him. Blake was much more effective. I thought they did a good job of kind of making sure Blake didn't do a ton in the second half there, just kind of keep him healthy. And as Blake said, he didn't get hit all of camp or preseason, you know, um, leading into this game. So he hadn't gotten hit since Ohio State, which is still insane that he tried getting that out. So, but to me, it, it's clear that Blake Corum's going to be the guy that's going to carry the ball a lot. I still think Donovan Edwards is, you know, improving as a ball carrier. But I did like some of what they did with, you know, the one where Donovan split out to the right on the uh, short side of the field and they were coming left to right there. You kind of knew they were going to go to him. They do. Uh, He picks up three first downs. I think three of his four receptions were first downs. Um, You know, and I I thought that the way they put them kind of split in the backfield as well, we're going to see more of that throughout the season. You're also sometimes it's good not to have them on the field at the same time. So one of them can be, resting and get the other guy in so they're going to handle that i think pretty well but 
you know, Mike said today that they need to get them both on the field together. Um, and that's something Jim Harbaugh said that they're more dangerous when Donovan eats, as, as you said earlier, uh, AB. So, yeah, I mean, it, to me, the third running back doesn't really matter because you have a decent amount of options there. And Hart said that today, too. Like a year ago, remember that Maryland game? Donovan's out. They have to go to CJ Stokes just because Blake was so tired because he had so many carries in that first half. And CJ Stokes has a costly fumble. Now, I mean, I'm not saying these guys may not fumble, um, but you have a, a lot of different options. Kalel Mullings has experience. Stokes has grown from that experience. Ben Hall, you know, is, uh, is a guy that looks like he's the fourth guy right now behind Kalel. So it's a deep room. You got those top two, and, uh, and you're pretty much rolling at this point. I think Blake looked a little bit rusty, but he'll, he'll work back in, and he called it a warm-up game on Saturday. So I think he's, he's just getting started. Yeah, and I like I like that they did kind of divvy those snaps up. Again, it might it might vary a bit from game to game, given if it's more of a passing game. Maybe you see Donald out there a little bit more. If you know you're hammering teams, maybe it's Blake Corum getting his his vintage self, twenty five carries. But you know, it's not going to be a, a scenario where you're going to run both of these guys on the ground. And uh, you know, there's only there's only one Travis Hunter in the country right now. I don't know how sustainable that is playing 129 snaps in a game, but uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. I'll say that. Uh, you know, number three running back, it's I, I like that they can kind of do it by committee. I mean, if you need, you know, if one of those guys is hurt at the top of the depth chart, you know, who you bring in on a third and eight is a lot different than who you would bring in on a third and one or, or third and two. And, uh, you know, the fact that last year your number three guy coming out of camp was a true freshman and that same guy this year is maybe your at least your fourth or fifth running back. You know, it speaks to the depth they have and what they're comfortable with. So. Uh, yeah, not concerned about the run game at all. Uh, again, uh, a better blocking up front, better communication up front, uh, more sound decision making from the backs in general. I think is gonna, you know, these are all things that are correctable. I, I, nothing I saw Saturday registers as maybe a legitimate concern moving forward, except for maybe, and we'll see. Going into our next point here, the special teams. Uh, Jay Harbaugh spoke about that on Monday afternoon, uh, and. We sort of hit on the we hit on the kicking game a little bit. I thought Tommy Dillon was terrific in his limited uh, opportunities, which we don't think he'll have many of them in non-conference play. You would hope not, anyways. Uh, but the punt return, the punt return situation was uh, trying to think of a nice way to put it. Uh, kind of a mess. It was a circus back there. Um, no disrespect to Jake Thaw, but he is a walk-on, and we haven't seen a whole lot of him on the field. The fact that that coming into that game was your most trustworthy guy. And you saw it right off the bat. I mean, uh, the, the ball that it did touch an ECU defender on that first, uh, on that first punt return attempt. And, and maybe the ball should have been back where it touched the defender at, but um, not great there. You got a true freshman right behind him and Carmelo English that got a bit of a look would like, to, you know, interested in seeing where it goes from there. But uh, you know, Jay Harbaugh said those guys are put in a unique situation uh, the scouting report wound up being a little different. They had a different guy out there that was a left-footed punter. So, uh, again, I don't know. Again, everything in week one, questions, not quite concerns yet. But, you know, if there's something to glean from Saturday's game, it's that right now your kicking game uh, is not as automatic as we're used to seeing. We knew that that was probably going to be the case. And then the return game is just still kind of an adventure right now. Well, the first one, uh, I'm watching it again. There was no way he was going to get that ball uh, on the fly. It was a shank, essentially. And the guy kicked it. You know, it kicked it right past him. I'm watching it again, and that thing all of a sudden, boom, skips by him down to the, the three-yard line. They were not going to uh, – he was not going to do anything with that. So I don't really blame him for that one. There was another one that bounced that he picked up and actually picked up and, uh, and got smoked. Um, so Helmet came gonna, off. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to wait and see on, on him. Uh, he also had a, a, one where he, I think he had like a five or six yard return on one, if I'm not mistaken, so where he caught the ball. So I'm going to give that a couple more weeks. I thought Carmelo English should have cut up on the one that he caught. He tried to make the big play by cutting outside. He had a lane in front of him, so that's going to be something that they need to improve upon for sure. So coverage teams are always going to be good. And, I, you know, as much as they talk about the big guys – on um, the kick return, I like a I like a guy like Roman Wilson. They said we'd like to put Roman Wilson back there too, and I'm thinking, man, that's the guy I want—the guy getting up ahead of steam on a short kick and and you know using his speed. So we'll see where that goes. But um, yeah, I, I you know what, wait and see. And and with the kicker too, you know, uh, we we said you know in our all of our preseason reports that. 
40 yards out, it's going to be an adventure. 40 yards in, you're going to be pretty good. So maybe make it a point to get inside that uh, 20 yard line if you're going to, you know, 23 yard line if you're going to make uh, attempt to kick. Yeah, we've covered pretty much everything on special teams, but I'll just say this too. I mean, how many kicks of over 50 did Jake Moody make in his career? I mean, three, four. Three, four. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, they don't come about that often. And, you know, I mean, Jake Moody's going to get more of those opportunities than most guys because he has that capability. Um, but, you know, most teams aren't kicking 50. Plus. Like him, James Turner hitting that 50 yarder is the equivalent in the NFL of like, I would say like a 56, you know, or 55. So they're going to probably be fine there. Um, you know, and, and we'll see if he makes any adjustments or anything like that. So not, not overly concerned. Um, you know, I, I do wish they were maybe a little bit better at, at punt returner. Um, it's kind of surprising. They come out of, out of camp, you know, when you have the chance to get so many guys opportunities that, that, you know, that was what they were able to come up with. with again, no disrespect to Jake thought, I actually th- thought he looked pretty good on that one that he did get some yardage um there but you got some you got some really good athletes on this team that i think you can use so we'll see how that develops i mean two years ago caden colazar had a had a game at at punt returner and then once aj henning they were they felt you know they trusted him enough back there to catch the football which is the most important thing and probably what jake thaw has been doing well so give him credit uh you know then they went with henning but we'll see how that develops yeah again question marks not concerns at this point in the season so uh we'll see where things go from there but any uh, any other lingering thoughts from the Monday pressers or anything that you know from ECU even to glean, fellas? Not really. I, I think uh, the ground has been plowed, as Jim Harbaugh would say, and it's on to UNLV. And you know what? It's hard to believe that uh, we're in, we're here what, four games, four days, five days away from the next game already, and talking about the next game. So, but um, there there's some things they're going to clean up, and uh, and again, I think they will. Yeah, the only thing is just hearing from Miles Hinton, um, who pretty much admitted he didn't play very well, and I would agree with him. Although I, you know, I think he has potential, and obviously he played well in in the preseason to earn that opportunity to start at right tackle, you know, amid a bunch of competition there. But you know, he got beat a few times in pass protection. There were a couple times on the backside of the play on run plays where he got beat there, and his guy actually made the play on Blake Corum. Uh, so that cannot happen as well, and I think he knows that. So. I'm just interested to see what they do. Jim Harbaugh dodged that question today a couple times yeah. on a couple different um, positions that he was asked about, one of them being offensive tackle, one of them being edge rusher. I think there was another. Um, where are you going to go with the Michigan method there? They are going to do that at backup quarterback, so we'll see Jack Tuttle if the game gets to that point, which you would expect it to. Uh, pretty early evening, I would say, on Saturday. But – Interested to see what they do with that offensive line rotation because we saw Trente Jones in there late. We saw him as an extra blocker earlier on in the game, and you know he looks fine to me. So, and we know kind of know what he can do. So, just interested to see what they do there after Miles Hinton had a little bit of a, a lackluster debut. Yeah, and the one thing I'll say about Hinton, and even you know, it goes beyond that. Uh, Braden McGregor talked about you know there was some frustration with the pass rush, not quite being able to get home. Of course, ECU was getting the ball out pretty quickly. Um, the important thing is for these guys is that the only thing that matters now is what happens next. I mean, um, to a certain extent, I mean, it's nice to hear a guy like Miles Hinton say, hey, I didn't play well enough. Uh, I need to play better. I need to calm myself down. But, you know, once you get back on the practice field, that's over. You know, you, you got to put the bad snaps behind you, put the bad games behind you, get back to work and don't fixate on it. So, uh, again, uh, we'll see what happens there. I, I don't, you know, I feel like there's still an opening for, other guys to come in and make an impact on that offensive line. But uh, yeah, if it's a meritocracy, I, I was going to say, AB, if it's a meritocracy, I would like to see Trent a. Jones get the start at right tackle and let's see what he can do because that's the way that Jim Harbaugh said he was going to do it. So uh, Trent a. Jones, um, let's see what he can do out there. Yeah. yeah and ideally so- too. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Clay. Um, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, ideally uh, this week is when your position battles kind of sort themselves out. And then next week is basically the dress rehearsal for the regular season. So uh, I don't know that that will be the case, but it would that would be ideal. No doubt. And I, I was just going to say this too. So Miles Hinton struggled. James Turner, a little bit of a, I think you wrote AB, a roller coaster of a day. You know, you miss an extra point, but you make a 50-yarder. Uh, then you miss badly on a 52. But, you know, I guess you could kind of throw that out. I'd like to see, and I'm not going to take the time to do this, but just around the country, there's so many transfers now. How are transfers doing in their debuts? I mean, Miles Hinton, a lot of pressure on him. His brother played here. James Turner's from Saline just down the road. So, you know, there's some jitters there, and I think those guys will, will probably settle in. But uh, I'm with UCB. I think 
we probably will see Trent A. Jones. I hope to. And, you know, we'll kind of see what he can do out there. You know, whose transfers did play well was Florida State's. Holy yes. cow. Yeah. <laughs> Colorado. Yeah, Colorado. That just goes to show you how impactful the portal can be. No doubt. Particularly, yeah. the, particularly the, the Florida State transfer. Mm. Uh, his name and former school escaped me. But anyways. <laughs> I, think um, played, I think he played receiver. Something like that. Keon Coleman. I'm so locked into, you know, I'm so locked in and focused on this football team. Sure. My wife's asking me to do stuff all the time. And there you I, have can't, it. I can't focus. No, I'm just kidding. Um, let's talk about our friends over at Rogue Shop. Go check out rogueshop.com if you have issues sleeping, chronic pain, and or anxiety or stress. Uh, when you use the promo code the Wolverine, you get 10% off your order over at rogueshop.com. Rogue Shop uh, sells CBD, THC, edibles, tinctures, smokables, bath salts. You guys know the laundry list of items at this point. Uh, if you, you know, the anxiety, uh, the pains, both of those this time of year, uh, as we are in the rigors of a football season, something to uh, tend to take care of. So, uh, Rogue Shop handcrafts all of their topicals, soaps, candles, bath salts, massage oils, tinctures, and more. They grow their own cannabis in their own manufacturing facility. And all of their products are made with the stuff that they grow. Novel concept there. Uh, the website has a 24-7 chat function where customers can ask anything they want. All of their edibles are custom formulated with cannabis, vitamins, and plant materials. Uh, Rogue Shop is America's number one online dispensary and health and wellness shop. So head on over to rogueshop.com. That's R-O-G-U-E shop.com. Use promo code THEWOLVERINE and get 10% off your order today. Uh, fellas, we are moving into the latter stages of our show here. So how about some questions? Let's go. Let's do it. Uh, this first one is from Jeremy. who said Jeremy has a few in the, the queue, so we'll get to as many as we can. Uh, what are your thoughts on the second team offense? Seems like the entire unit struggled and seemed out of sorts. Uh, I thought it started with Davis Warren, who didn't look comfortable, which was disappointing. You want your second teamer to get out there and show that, hey, if something goes wrong with – with your first string quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, that you can come in there and, and move the ball. So uh, that was a little disappointing. So haven't watched the film on it yet, but I will. Uh, frankly, it is what it is. I think that the second team offensive line is is really good. But again, these guys haven't spent a whole lot of time playing together. So um, we'll see. But um, that's low down the list of priorities and concerns at this point right now. I think that there's still plenty of depth on this team. And if any one of those backups were to get in, I, I have confidence they'd do well. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Bless you. Um, <laughs> here's the thing is if one of those guys has to come in, they're playing with the rest of the first team. I think that's the, the good news. Now I think we did see there that JJ McCarthy, you don't want to see him take any hits like he took on that, on that targeting there. Um, but he's obviously a tough kid. So Look, I mean, that was pretty bad by the first or the second team offense. Um, you know, I thought Kalel Mullings had one nice run. Then they have a false start. They end up missing a field goal. Um, you know, so maybe they could have got something going if they just didn't have those penalties that were kind of screwing them up. But yeah, room for improvement there. I, I don't necessarily think that maybe that second team offense could start anywhere in the country like some of the hyperbole, you know, will have you believe. But, you know, I mean, no reason why those guys wouldn't support their their teammates and everything. So room for improvement. I would echo all that. There's nothing I could say that would that would add a new layer of perspective to that. So I'll go to the second question from Jeremy. Uh, we just talked about the punt return guys. Uh, would you like to see Carmelo English, uh, Samaj Morgan, Donovan Edwards, or Alex Orgy back there? Uh, Orgy won't be a punt returner. He'll be a kick returner. I saw somebody say uh, try Orgy out, uh, but it's the, the kick return that they were talking about with him. Um, thought was not Again, not his fault on the first one, not even close. The other one was uh, really short. Uh, you know, it takes some time, guys, to to really get accustomed to that job. It took AJ Henning, you know, a year. And I was thinking about him when I was watching him play with Northwestern, wondering what he was thinking. There was a role for him on this team, guys, uh, on a potential Big Ten champion. And now, uh, you know, is he going to catch more balls at Northwestern this year than he caught at Michigan, uh, you know, last year? Hard to say, but I can promise you he's not going to win. So uh, it's unfortunate, but um, we'll see. It'll it, sometimes it takes time to, to figure it out. Uh, if English can catch the ball, I know uh, from people in practice who saw him said he's electric, uh, both as a as a kick and uh, punt returner at times. So, and I think we saw a little bit of that 
but uh, you got to catch the ball first, and that's why Jake Thaw is back there, and you cannot turn it over. I think that's when he proves that he can catch the ball and be very consistent in that respect, then I think he might be the guy. Yeah, I'd be surprised if Jake Thaw's the guy at the end of the year. So it'll be, you know, probably an ongoing process. But, you know, then again, he's going to have his shot too. So uh, I, I agree. And A.J. Henning, I mean, if he's going to go pro, it's going to be in the role of kind of a gadget guy and a return guy. So I agree. Keep showcasing it here. But uh, obviously it's, you know, <laughs> no sense talking about it now, I guess. But totally agree watching him yesterday. There's there's no reason why, you know, he's, he's not on this football team in my opinion. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing all of those guys, uh, except for, of course, Orgy, uh, who is more of a kick return guy, get the shot. There's also maybe two others that I wouldn't mind seeing get a shot. There was a Michigan student during a TV timeout that did a pretty good job catching uh, catching some high punts off the jugs machine uh, on Saturday afternoon. I wouldn't mind seeing the Frisbee dog get a shot either. I mean, just the ground that that dog covered. Uh, it had a couple <laughs> opportunities, really. I think he was out there, he or she, I'm not sure. I would love more information on that. Uh the ground that was covered just super impressive so uh maybe it's like an air bud type thing so yeah give them give the give the pups a shot uh theodore dodge wants to know i saw josh wallace in there at cornerback was the other uh cornerback Keyshawn harris and does anyone know how he did well it was Keyshawn harris um i thought that he and the past defense in general all of those guys who stepped in and had to play played pretty well uh didn't expect it to be Keyshawn Harris. I thought maybe we'd see Jaden McBurrows out there across from Josh Wallace. But, uh, fellas, your thoughts on both of those guys and, and maybe sing, you know, more so Wallace, who I think has a chance to stick in that role. Um, I think Wallace played great. I thought he played really well. And he's bigger than I thought he was, by the way. You know, I thought he looked pretty good out there. Uh, did a really nice job. It's unfortunate that his, his interception got overturned on a technicality, but uh, it is what it is. He looks confident, and that's what I like most about it. So Keyshawn Harris was okay. He had a tough uh, – I wouldn't say tough, but he had an inconsistent week of practice, and they were really getting on him from what I heard, you know, saying, hey, you're going to get an opportunity here. But from to go from former walk-on to where he was uh, on Saturday was fantastic. So um, I really thought that that was uh, – it was good to see him out there, but it'll be really nice to see Will Johnson back, guys, because with him and Wallace out there, uh, boy, you're going to get even more of a lockdown with Mike Sainristel. You got him, Wallace, Mike Sainristel, Rod Moore, and Makari Page is is one heck of a secondary, and I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, and I'll go back to my point like I made for the second-team offense. If, you know, and we assume it'll be Josh Wallace, he's going to be out there with Will Johnson and Rod Moore, you know, at safety. So that's going to help him out. And if Keyshawn Harris has to come in, same thing. He'll be playing with some better players once they're healthy there. It didn't see a ton of Keyshawn Harris because they didn't really, it didn't seem like they threw his way a ton. Uh, he did have a stop behind the line of scrimmage, but um, yeah, I mean, it, Josh Wallace is you definitely could tell he's not the fastest guy out there, but he's got some instincts. He's got some length to him. I think that basketball background, he was a heck of a basketball player uh, back at DeMatha. I, I think we'll, uh, we'll help him out. And he was really poised and, and had really good body control there on the sideline on what was almost an interception. So I thought they fared pretty well, but it's, it's kind of tough to say a team that gets it out that quick. You're more kind of just tackling and leveraging and things like that than, than covering downfield for long periods of time. Yeah, of course, have to shout out Mikey saying we're still Michigan's first interception of the year uh, and its highest graded uh, defensive back from Saturday's game. And again, guy just looks like a natural out there. Uh, so good hit to have him back there for year five. Uh, this one is from Shab Fam, who says, I know we only scored 30 on East Carolina, but they had last year's number 29 rush defense and only had starters in for three quarters. Ohio State took all four quarters to put up 23 on last year's number 120 total defense thoughts. So basically what he's asking is how would you weigh Michigan's performance against East Carolina? And again, we all didn't get to see the full Ohio state, Indiana game, but uh, what do you make of where those two teams are at this early in the year? Uh, ask me next week or in two weeks when we get to see more of them, because we don't know, for example, I think ECU, I don't think there's any question that the strength of their team after watching them was their run defense and the way they played the guys up front were aggressive. They were physical. 
So, um, but you know, who knows how bad or how, how, how really bad that ECU secondary is until they play some other people. They've got a lot of new faces back there, say with Indiana. Um, yeah, they had the number 120 total defense last year. Maybe they improved, you know, maybe some of those transfers are going to make them better than they were. So I want to see those teams against other teams before I really judge. Uh, I can say though, that the offensive line for at OSU did not look very good. I thought their quarterback was shaky. I thought their defense looked really good, but again, is that a, a product of Indiana's offense just being uh, not not good, being horrible? I guess we're going to find out, you know, when they play more competition. So, um, yeah, it's a fair question. I thought Penn State uh, looked good and physical in a lot of ways. Uh, they gave up some running plays. I thought they, I thought them and Michigan were the two best teams in the Big Ten, and I thought Ohio State was third after that. Um, you know, Rutgers put the wood on. Northwestern Michigan State pulled away in the second half against Central Michigan, but doesn't look like they have great athletes. Uh, I don't think that that offense of theirs is going to be moving the ball on any defense with a pulse. So um, we'll see. It's hard to compare with different opponents. Openers are always weird. Like sometimes you come out absolutely humming in the first game of the season. Sometimes it's a little bit clunky, and we probably saw that. Probably saw both. You know, at times for both Michigan and Ohio State, you know, at different points of the game. But it is kind of odd to say about a, an Ohio State team, a Ryan Day coach team, that we know more about their defense right now than we do about their offense with O-line, un, you know, question marks, and then quarterback. You know, we'll see if, if McCord even stays the starter full-time. You know, I think he'll probably continue to in the in the short term, but never know how that could go. So I'll be watching Ohio State throughout the year, and, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to judge at this point. Like you said, you just got to kind of learn as the weeks go on. But in a couple of weeks when they play Notre Dame, that is when we're going to kind of get that first look at them. I feel like two years ago it was Oregon. Last year it was Notre Dame as well, where you kind of saw a couple flaws. You know, Oregon obviously uh, quite a few flaws because they lost that game. But, you know, you, you get to kind of learn more as, as the competition ramps up. So I'll be keeping an eye on that. Yeah, I'm going to give them them being the Buckeyes uh, credit. I mean, you, you go out first week of the year and play a Big Ten opponent on the road, go out to get a victory. I mean, it's not uh, – I mean, Michigan went to Indiana last year and things got weird and they didn't win by as much as they were supposed to. So Things got again, really one weird. Week, yeah. Well, things got extremely weird. Um, yeah. Yeah. Tough, crazy to think about. Of course, J.J. McCarthy leads them back out of that game late. But, uh, yeah, I mean, everyone's got everyone's got question marks right now. Uh, it's tough to say. I mean, even, you know, think of that Washington game that Michigan played two years ago. Even with how they ran the football, you look at the way they passed the ball, and there were people saying, oh, you know, is that going to be good enough to beat Ohio State? And you build to something over the course of a year, and uh, you're ultimately judged by what happens in that last game of the year. So not, again, I think right now Ohio State has very natural question marks. They're breaking in a new quarterback. Uh, obviously, you know, a lot to sort out there as they kind of try to rebuild what their identity is. But yeah, uh, tough to say. I do think that Michigan looked uh, probably the best of the teams in the Big Ten. Uh, Penn State, a couple missed kicks there away from, you know, that being maybe a little more of a blowout as well. So impressed with what I saw from those two teams in particular. Uh, Justin Courtney says, I don't think Jim was messing around when he said 50-50 in terms of how he wants the offense to be balanced. Uh, it's going to be damn close at the season's end, maybe 55-45. Uh, I still would say by the time we get through the end of this season, it will probably be closer to 55-45 in terms of the run leading the way because if this team's blowing people out throughout the year, they're going to run the ball and close out those games. And um, if that pass game becomes more of a threat, that box is going to get a little you know, a little less difficult to run into. And then you finally kind of have this true balance that you're looking at. But, uh, what do you guys make of the offensive balance? I think there's a big difference with 50-50 and 55-45, number one, that people think. But I do believe that people are not going to let McCarthy pick them apart. He continues to show out what he did in the first game. They're going to mix it up a little bit more. These two had nothing to lose, right? They came in there and they said, okay, I'll the Rutgers kid beat us. So if they had to do like over again, they do it, but they'd change some things up. So um, we'll see. And But if they're running the ball and they're running it well, I don't think the script called for anything like we saw on Saturday. In fact, I know it didn't. They script the first 15 plays of each half, and uh, a lot of that's going to be run. And if they, they continue to run the ball well, as Mike Hart said today, they're going to continue. If they're running the ball well, they're going to continue to do that. And so if they're passing the ball well, they're going to continue to do that against boxes. So 
I do think I agree with I agree with AB. I think it's going to be closer to 55-45 by the end of the year. And uh, let's be clear, they're going to go to Blake Corum quite a bit in a lot of these games when it really matters. Yeah, I would agree that it'll probably be about 55. I mean, I haven't changed from that. I don't think it's going to be 50-50. A lot of that has to do with that they're probably going to do a lot of winning. As you said, Anthony, um, look, I, I don't think the last two seasons they were running because – you know, they just only wanted to run. It was just this conscious, you know, decision that, yeah, we can throw, we can do whatever we want, but we're just only going to run. We're only going to give the ball to Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum. I think they were much better at running the ball than they were throwing. And people were having a really tough time stopping the run. So they stuck with it. You know, Mike Hart said today, they didn't come into that Washington game two years ago planning on running 50 times, but Washington couldn't stop the run. They couldn't stop Hassan or Blake. So you just keep going back to it back to it and when they have good corners there why why go away from doing what's working to you know some unknown out there so i think it's just going to happen naturally where it's working more so you go to it more and that's going to stress the defenses more when you are more balanced um and and you can have the answers for they're stacking the box we're going to throw it over your head and that's what michigan did on saturday better teams maybe don't you know they have more confidence in their personnel where they don't have to Stack the box that much. So, uh, you know, then Michigan will, will have to make some decisions. But, yeah, I don't think it's going to be 50-50, but I don't think they're going to be as one-dimensional as they have been. I would agree with all that. Uh, last one from Shab Famine. I think we'll get out of here. Uh, did Tyler Morris get snaps? Uh, Clayton, you tracked all this. I believe he played nine or ten snaps in the game, came into the afternoon questionable. We didn't see a ton of him, which is maybe one of the – Bigger, I guess, I don't disappointments. If you're injured, you do what you can do out there. But uh, not a lot of Tyler Morris, which uh, we assume that will change moving forward. A lot more Frederick Moore, who we thought he played. I thought he played very well uh, in his limited opportunities. But, uh, yeah, Tyler Morris, I think, will be okay. Uh, it doesn't sound like anything overly serious there. Nothing to add to that. I think he was really, really good this uh, fall. And I think as he gets healthier, you'll see more of him. Yeah, he played, and I think he was one of those guys that was probably on a pitch count. Same with Darius Clemens, same with Makari Page. So just getting those guys back in there, getting them some game reps, and probably see more of them on Saturday if, if everything goes according to plan. All right, well, I think that's going to do it for us here on Labor Day. And, of course, the work never stops at thewolverine.com. Uh, be sure to like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, if you listen to the podcast version, Leave us a five-star review. Say something nice about uh, about myself or two, my two uh, co-hosts here, uh, about the site. Whatever's on your mind, good things, of course. Uh, I believe uh, someone can correct me on this. Uh, is, our, is our deal at the Wolverine still going strong, Clayton? Uh, it's a different deal now. $1 for a month or first year at $74.99. Uh, right, so that is good. Perfect. 70, uh, 74 99 That's 25% off an annual subscription to our site. And of course, a lot of stuff. Uh, and I'll give us, give us, uh, it's a pat yourself on the back Monday, uh, our game package, a lot of great stuff in there, uh, from all of you guys, uh, from Chris, from, uh, Clayton, John, the whole team, uh, great, great package all together. So be sure to get in on that analysis, uh, the paywalled stuff. It's, we're doing our best for you guys. Uh, we're, we're trying to, to put out a product that, that we're proud of and that we hope you're proud of too. So uh, thank you for all your support, fellas. Thank you for your time here on a Monday night. Uh, the three of us will be back Thursday to preview the game against UNLV, uh, which is set for a 3.30 p.m. kickoff on Saturday on CBS, first CBS game for Michigan of the 2023 season. So uh, for Chris Ballas, for Clayton Safey, for our producer Megan uh, behind the scenes, uh, thank you so much, uh, and we will talk to you again soon. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.